much for joining us here on This Week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. Iowa House Republicans have elected their next Speaker of the House. Representative Pat Grassley is the Speaker-elect. He'll take over for Linda Upmeyer at the beginning of the next legislative session in January. Grassley represents House District 50 in Hardin, Butler, and Grundy counties. That includes Iowa Falls and Parkersburg. He's currently chair of the Appropriations Committee. Grassley spoke to our political team after the party elected him on his leadership style. I've been as open as, po as possible, whether it's with the media or with our caucus, and that's what I'd really like to bring. I told the caucus this today. Um, I, would, I want to approach this process that we have a lot like I did with the budget. We will bring proposals because the leaders have to bring proposals to the caucus, but we need to hear what the caucus has for feedback for us and, and try to make sure that we're getting everyone on board. Grassley again replaces Linda Upmeyer. Speaker Upmeyer is the first female Speaker of the Iowa House, but announced her resignation as Speaker last month. She steps down from her role in leadership this year, and then she'll retire from the legislature after her term is done to spend more time with her family. Iowa House Republicans have also filled other leadership positions in the House. Take a look at these two names. Representative Matt Winschittle was elected House Majority Leader. He was Speaker Pro Tem. And Representative John Wills has been elected as the next, next Speaker Pro Tem. Their positions, along with Pat Grassley's, formally begin the next legislative session in January. Meanwhile, the city of Urbandale held a rare primary election on Tuesday. It's an election required anytime there's twice the number of candidates running compared to the number of open seats. This year, seven candidates ran for three open seats. City officials say it's a good sign for the city when so many people want to run for public office hoping to serve their community. I think it's a positive issue. Uh, if you look back, at, if you look at all seven of these individuals, in some way, shape, or form, they have participated in a public venue. Uh, we have one individual who has been a former school board member. We have two individuals who have been on various boards and commissions with the city council. One individual who has chaired the 4th of July committee. We have the unofficial results from the city council election. A reminder, the top six from Tuesday's primary election will appear on the ballot in the general election this November. These six made the ballot. The candidate who did not make the cut is Lawrence McBurney. He received the lowest number of votes in the primary. everyone, we are joined now by our Democratic and Republican strategists, Jeff Link at Link Strategies and Craig Robinson with the Iowa Republican. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here. Okay, no so we're just going to talk politics for the <laughs> next two segments, and I want to start off, there's so much to get just. to. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, let's start off with the congressional races, and we'll just kind of go quadrant mm -hmm. by quadrant and start in District 1, if we may. Um, so, uh, as we know, in District 1, incumbent is Abby Finkenauer, Democrat her first term. Yep. Then we have two Republicans, Thomas Hansen and Ashley Hansen, although Ashley Hansen, if I if, if it's fair to say, is likely the next nom the nominee. Agreed. So yes. um, anything that's really sticking out, out to you in that race, I feel like we're not hearing that much from Ashley Hansen. It, it's funny when you when you live in Des Moines, I'm from that part of the state, um, news doesn't necessarily 
news travels from Des Moines out, but not always back in. Okay. So it's hard. You have to kind of go there to, to see what's going on. I think what we can see is from Ashley's fundraising totals, she's clearly working hard. Right. And, and activists are excited about her. So at this stage of the campaign, I would say everything looks pretty good for her. I think this is a tough race, um, tough district. This is one of those swing uh, congressional districts that voted Obama, then went Trump. So... Maybe the national flavor will impact this race a little bit, uh, but but Ashley is going to have to run a strong race, and so far she seems to be off to a good start. Yeah, it seems like Hinson does have the financial advantage in that primary. I think Finkenauer has done a good job of really kind of staying on message. Uh, she's working hard. She uh, continues to fight for the kind of blue-collar interests in that district, which run up and down that Mississippi Absolutely. River. And uh, I, I just think she's a good fit for the district and will be hard to knock off. Okay, now let's talk District 2, because mm -hmm. uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks, a Republican senator, has just said that she uh, wants the Republican nomination for this position. Um, so let's, I mean, she does, she's not being primaried, so. No, there is a primary. Oh, is there a yeah. primary? Who's yes. Who's the other Republican? Uh, Bobby Schilling is That's a right, former from congressman Illinois. from Illinois. Yes. Uh, has lived in the district since 2017 and is running. He liked Illinois so much, he decided to move to <laughs> Iowa. I, I, I didn't mean to forget about him, but... Um, this is this, this is, is an interesting. Race. This is a this is a primary to watch. Okay. I mean, this is this is two really different Republicans running uh, at each other. Where you have Miller Meeks, who's kind of an establishment. This is her fourth go around. Fourth trying, times the charm. Trying to win this race, and then you have Schilling, who is this newcomer, and so he's he has to fight to get known. But I think when he is met with people, people really like him, and so. And the, the conservative activists really like Bobby Schilling uh, probably much more than an establishment candidate okay. like Miller Meeks. So this is a primary to watch. I think Schilling has an uphill battle on his hands because Miller Meeks has, she's run for four times in that area. She is well known. She's well established. And she's backed by, you know, Terry Branstead and, and, and all of that. But Schilling has done an interesting job of introducing himself uh, to Iowa activists, and I think this is going to be competitive. Now, to be fair to Miller Meeks, she's always run against Dave Loebsack, who's mm -hmm. now retiring, so mm -hmm. that kind of makes the Democratic field wide open, too. It does, although we have a former state senator and former lieutenant governor nominee, uh, Rita Hart, mm -hmm. is going to be the is likely candidate for the Democrats, and I think either Schilling or Miller Meeks will run into a buzzsaw when they run into Rita Hart it, at the end uh, of this primary, and she is a strong candidate. She has a career as an educator. She served in the state senate. She's from Clinton County. She lives on a farm. Uh, her husband still actively farms. I, I think she is the ideal nominee for the Democrats. Okay, I want to get to District 4, so let's get through District 3 quickly because we know we have David Young, who is the Republican there, but we have Bill yep. Schaefer too, and then of course we have Democrat Cindy Axney. Real quick reaction to this race from both of you. This is going to be a, a heavyweight fight between yeah. two basically members of Congress. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's David Young lost, but I think, you know, he ran a good race the last time. Uh, look, the, the national uh, presidential race is going to play here a yeah. little bit, and uh, we'll see if David can run stronger in this cycle than he did last. Jeff, real quick. Well, uh, Axney is taking the full Grassley up a notch. She visits every county every month in her district, and that kind of hard work, I think, will pay off in this. Okay, so let's talk District 4, because we have so many Republicans who are trying to unseat Steve King, but does that work to the disadvantage to the other Republicans? Because... 
Steve King, anyone who wants to vote against Steve King is now diluted among all the rest of the Republicans? Uh, yeah, the math, I think the math uh, gets a little tricky there, but I, I don't know if it'll matter at the end of the day. I think we all realize that Randy Feenstra is the viable challenger to, to Steve King. Um, and, and look, the, he's got a lot of work to do to unseat King. This mm -hmm. is the most conservative part of the state. But you know, here you got a congressman in King that doesn't raise money. Uh, he doesn't really campaign all that aggressively anymore. Wins. And so, and, Fe and Feenstra is, is, is really working hard, raising a lot of money. And it'll be interesting to see when he starts doing paid advertisement, when he's up on TV and radio, can he move those numbers? Jeff, did J.D. Shulton miss his chance when he lost against King last time? No, I think, I think J.D. Shulton is more popular today than he was two years ago at this point. He's better known. He's a better fundraiser. Uh, Steve King is going to win this primary because they, they are going to dilute the, the uh, votes against him uh, by spreading it out. King is smart enough to win a primary. That's how he got in. You know, originally he, he ended up winning at a convention, um, and he's going down in the general election. But I think, I think that the, the results from the last election matter here in this Republican primary because what's different now is Republicans actually believe King may get beat if it's a head-to-head -head battle against Shulton. everyone we are continuing our conversation with our political analysts so let's talk presidential politics now okay um the big <laughs> elephant in the room the impeachment inquiry into it's the impeachment elephant yeah. yes. um how does that affect the democratic side of the race though well it's been interesting um you know trump has been on the attack for Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son for, for about a week or so. Uh, he is relentless in talking about Biden in the most negative terms that he can, and, and you would think that that would take a toll on Biden. But what's really happening, I think, is a lot of Democrats are saying, why is Trump so focused on Biden? Biden must be the candidate that Trump fears the most. And I actually think it's giving Biden a little uh, wind in his sails when you wouldn't expect it. I do think there's some risk that impeachment brings up is that it's such a hot topic that it's a distraction. And so what are you, are, are you not talking about, what aren't you talking about that you Other are talking about impeachment? Right. And I get why this is on the minds of Democrats and activists and the candidates, but you still have to lay out your case of, you know, why you should be the president of the United States and what direction you're going to take this country. And so I think it's hard to to weigh those two things. I thought, you know, back in 2012, Republicans were always just so distracted with Obama. Anything Obama did, they were outraged. It didn't matter if he, you know, helped an old lady across the street. They were outraged for some reason of it. I think we're seeing some of this on the Democrat side of, of, of the aisle now where, and there's legitimate things to be upset about. I'm not saying that, but it can be so distracting that you forget to drive home a message of, of you know hope and and you know the positive agenda that you have you can leave that on the back burner well and if, if you think about it two weeks ago you know we had the steak fry in the Iowa poll and all the buzz was about Elizabeth Warren and her ascension to, to right. the to the being the front runner that's all that conversation has stopped because all we're talking about is Trump and Biden yeah absolutely okay now let's talk about Senator Bernie Sanders, though, mm -hmm. he had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. um, he had a couple stints put into a blocked artery. He is going to go back on the campaign trail once he recovers yep. a little bit more. But does this stop his ability to campaign? Does it hurt him? Do people look at him and go, gosh, he had a heart attack? 
Well, I mean, first of all, just on a human level, I it's mean, he's awful. had a terrible week. Uh, for, obviously, he's had this health issue, and then his daughter-in-law yep. passed away. I mean, it's just been an awful time for the Sanders family, and you gotta you got to be thinking about them just on a human level. Um, this is going to be a big difference in the campaign. He announced that it's going to change the nature of the campaign. Yep. He's going to travel less. He's going to do fewer events. Uh, let's see how this shakes out. I, I don't think uh, the Sanders supporters are going to be um, uh, pushed away in, in any shape or form. And if anything else, I think they'll rally around Senator Sanders on this. But can he grow beyond what he's got today? That's the real question. I think watching his fundraising totals, I mean, he had a really impressive fundraising quarter that they just uh, closed yeah. out. I mean, he's the, the money leader. Yeah. Uh, if that type of support... Uh, continues. He should be able to to prop up his campaign with with more paid advertising and all of that. Um, uh, he's in an interesting race. I mean, it, Jeff's been around presidential candidates. I've been around him. This is a gauntlet. I mean, this is not easy. This is it, it's 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 hard on the candidate, but it's hard on the family. And then you throw any sort of family dynamic or health issue on top of that. It gets really tough. I mean, I, I feel really bad for, for that whole family and Me that too. campaign, too. Me it's too. tough to go through. I had so many more candidates I wanted to talk <laughs> to you guys about, darn, but two really interesting topics. Thank you very much, both Great. of you, for joining yep. us. We really appreciate it. We'll take a short break, but coming up next, billionaire Tom Steyer wants to be more than a billionaire. He wants to be president. Get to know him when we come back. Steyer is a billionaire from California who's never held elected office. He wants people to realize that he is self-made and still very in touch with everyday needs of Americans. He also says while he's not technically a career politician, he's been in this world for years. Take a listen to my sit down with Tom Steyer. For the last 10 years, I've been organizing coalitions of American citizens to take on unchecked corporate power. And what that means is we've been running campaigns. I've been running campaigns at the ballot box to beat corporations on economic issues. So I took on the oil companies in 2010 when people said that no one could ever beat them. And we beat them. We beat them by going to the grassroots, by talking to people in the communities, by getting the unions behind us. And we took a completely different tack. And they were surprised, and we beat them. We took on, I took on the tobacco companies who'd won 17 times in a row. And I beat them. And in fact, we took the money and we gave it to uh, Medi-Cal, which is the healthcare system for the lowest income Californians. I closed a billion dollar corporate tax loophole in California and gave the money to rebuild the public schools. So it, when you say it's different, it's like actually for the last 10 years, I've been running campaigns. It just hasn't been me. And I also started an organization called Next Gen America, which has been in Iowa since the beginning of 2014. That is a grassroots organization basically organizing young people. So we're on 41, or Next Gen America is on 41 campuses in Iowa. Mm -hmm. We've been there since the beginning, since the last time Joni Ernst was running for the Senate. In 2018, Next Gen America was in 38 congressional districts around the country. We in those districts, the turnout of young people, defined as people under 30, went from 18%, less than one in five, to 41%, more than a double. Of those 38 districts, 33 of them went Democratic. That includes Abby Finkenauer and Cindy Axney in Iowa. 
But do you feel like your message is resonating? With I don't think there's any question. There really isn't. I mean, if you look at the places where I've been, including on Iowa, people, it, it is resonating. I think that's what the polls say, it, that it is resonating, that in fact, when people hear 80% of Americans, four out of five Americans, including me, think corporations have bought this government, they know that all the policies that people are talking about, which are super important, that getting a new, you know, redoing the healthcare system, redoing the education system, a Green New Deal, a living wage for everyone, we're not getting that until we beat the corporations. It's like, it's not so much a question of what do we want, because we pretty much agree. The question is, how are we getting any of it? Look, I am someone who has delivered on what I've promised. I'm the person who's most aggressive about climate in this race. I'm the person who's saying, I'm the only person who will say, number one priority climate. Just because it has to be. That's the facts. And I've said I declare a state of emergency on day one, and I would really go after it and use the emergency power of the presidency. Because people in Iowa know from this year, but people around the country know, there have been floods. You know, things are really happening. Americans can see from all the natural disasters. This is just the tip of the iceberg, if you'll excuse the expression <laughs> in this case. But it really is. That, you know, there is something going on here that we can arrest, that we have the technology to do it. This is a question of if we act on this, we'll be richer. People will be better employed. We'll have higher wages. We will be healthier. This is not jobs or the environment. This is jobs and the environment. We know that. I spent 10 years proving that's true. I know that's true. But I also know that we have to do it. So what's the number one issue, though, that you hear, obviously, when, uh, when an Iowan walks up to you and what's keeping them up in the middle of the night is not corporate wealth? It's No, I mean, it, it, what, they're what people are worried about is the issues that we can't get to until we beat, break this corporate stranglehold. Look, health care is a huge issue. Honestly, for Democratic voters, climate is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. it's an, and, and for young voters, it's the number one issue. Number one issue because they know the implications of not acting on it. That's why we had a global climate strike yesterday, including a thousand places in the United States. So I think, but I think if you look deeper, the inequities and, uh, of the education system are absolutely huge. And honestly, a living wage is a gigantic fact. Look, this will come down to economics. Sabrina, every election at some level is about economics for families. You know, what can they look forward to? What can they earn? What can they keep? What can they afford? And in that, I am the person who has decades of experience of understanding what makes a prosperous country, what makes a country that spreads that prosperity fairly, what makes a prosperous community and city and state, what makes a, what makes a company work, and how does that fit in to the global economy? I spent decades working on that. But it also means that I'm the person who's best able to expose Mr. Trump on economics, to, to show that, in fact, he is a fraud and a failure as a business person, that he failed as a business person, and to show that as president, when it comes to economics and wages and jobs, he's also a fraud and a failure, that he hasn't succeeded, that he's going to run on the economy, but actually he has failed as a steward of the American economy and protect the American people and allow them to share fairly. Now, Steyer will be one of two Democrats on the debate stage this next round who was not on the stage previously. The last 10 from, for the, uh, from the most recent debate, plus him and Tulsi Gabbard, will make 12 on the next stage.
Thank you for listening to the This Week in Iowa podcast. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. For the latest in Iowa political news, follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com.